Let's open our Bibles together today and let's take a look at Luke chapter 2. So what I thought we'd do this morning is take a look at Luke chapter 2, just those first few verses there, and actually just think about the idea of being not forgotten. That one of the greatest messages of the whole Christmas story is just that God let us know that we are not forgotten. We are not forgotten. And uh, this uh, passage in particular really lays that out pretty well, I think. But being not forgotten reminds me of when my son was young. My youngest son, who's now in the Air Force, I've already told you guys about him. He'll be home for Christmas. We're excited about that. But I remember when he was young, my oldest son was so loud all the time that my youngest son didn't get hurt a lot. So he was forever like trying to run away when he was really little. He would try to run away, and I, I think he just wanted to know if anybody would notice, you know? <laughs> and one day he was in about the, uh, how gosh, seventh grade. He was in about the seventh grade in middle school, and I forgot him. We were traveling, we were moving actually, and traveling on the interstate and we're driving through the interstate and we stopped at this exit going from Indiana to Florida or Florida to Indiana, I forget which. And we stopped by this little uh, exit and everybody got out and we were all doing our own thing. We were in two different vehicles because we were moving somebody all the way back up to Indiana. And as we're through there, I go and I get back on the interstate and I'm driving back on the interstate, on the on-ramp. I'm actually on the on-ramp at this point, driving on the on-ramp. And I look in my rearview mirror and I see Michael. And he is running down the on-ramp to get on the interstate. <laughs> and he's waving like, hey, you know, don't forget me. But I totally forgot him. And I wish I could say I felt really bad, but it was kind of funny, and I laughed. <laughs> but he's okay. He made it through it. He survived my parenting skills somehow or another. But I wanted you to know today that you're not forgotten. I wanted to just kind of let her hair down for just a minute and kind of take the pressure off and look at this passage and understand through the Scripture today how we are not forgotten, Okay. The scripture says this, it says, And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Cornelius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth, Nazareth, into Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, and that the days would be completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. If anybody had ever felt forgotten, it must have been Mary and Joseph. 
we have sometimes an idealistic view of what happened that day in Christmas, and we have sometimes sort of this image in our mind, and we get quite nostalgic when we think about the manger. But I want you to understand that's not exactly the way all that happened. If we read the scripture and understand how everything really went down there, one thing we realize is that Mary and Joseph must have really felt forgotten. They must have felt left out and left behind. See, it says that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world under his command, other words, should be taxed or registered. So Joseph went to, the, to Bethlehem because that was the city of David. And he knew he was of the house and lineage of David. And I want you to know today that God hasn't forgotten who you are. God hasn't forgotten who you are. I think about this journey, this journey that would have been somewhere between 70 and 90 miles and would have taken probably a week or so for them to get there. And the reason they're going there is so that they will make sure to pay their taxes. It's an audit. The reason that Caesar did this is so that the people would not riot and, and uh, rebel against the taxation. So they would go back to a town where they were not familiar with around people and chaos while they were paying their taxes. So as they're there paying their taxes, as they're going there, think about this guy who knows that he is of the house and lineage of David. The greatest king that Israel has ever seen. The greatest king still today. That When we talk about kings and past kings around the world, probably David is known as the greatest king of all time. And he was of that house and lineage he was royalty. He would have been absolute royalty had things gone a different way. But because of the way things went and because of the Roman imperialism now on top of them, that what happened was here he is now and he is not, he's not a royalty. He's not someone of great importance. He's not someone that was of the family line of King David. He is a carpenter and he is on a journey. Nobody knows his name. Nobody cares who he is. Nobody thinks about the fact that David was his ancestor. And I think a lot of people feel that way at Christmas. I think a lot of people feel like God has forgotten who they are. But one thing about the Christmas message is this, is that God has not forgotten who you are. Because God has not forgotten who's you are. You belong to him. You are a child of the king. You, like David, have royal blood flowing through your veins because you are a child of the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And in spite of the fact that there may be times in your life when you feel like you are completely forgotten, I want you to know that God has not forgotten who you are. He knows your name. 
and he knows that you, in spite of how anyone else may look at you and in spite of how you may feel about yourself, he wants you to know that you are not forgotten by him. There's a lot of people that feel forgotten, especially around Christmas time. They feel kind of out of place. Joseph must have felt out of place. He's not even in his hometown. He's, he's traveling now to this other town. And, and there's a lot of people that just feel out of place and feel marginalized. Think about that word with me, marginalized. You know what marginalized means? Is it means being pushed to the margins of society and your voice not being heard. That's the way Joseph would have felt, certainly. He had no say in anything. He had no say in any matter whatsoever. All he had was this uh, mandate to go and pay his taxes and be registered. And so while he's on his way there, he must have felt marginalized. And people in our society today feel marginalized. And they feel that their voice is often not heard. And they feel very disconnected. Especially at Christmas time. It's one of, you know, it is the most wonderful time of the year, I think. Still, I love Christmas time. But one thing that breaks my heart is it's also a very depressing time for a lot of people. We use the word marginalized because when you think about the margins of the page, if you just look in your Bible at the margins of the page, you never think about the margins. How many times have you ever heard somebody say, open to margins, right? The margins are the corners, they're the edge, they're the, the white space on the outside that you are not looking at. And people feel marginalized. The other type of person that feels like God has forgotten them is a person who has forgotten God. Some people have forgotten who they are. They're not worried about other people forgetting who they are. Some people have actually forgotten who they are. And maybe that's you today, I don't know. But there's people who have walked really away from God, if they're just to be honest with themselves. They may be in church, but that doesn't mean they're walking with Christ. And maybe they feel forgotten because they've walked away from God. They've walked away from their first love. They've walked away from Jesus Christ. And they feel forgotten because they have forgotten God and they have forgotten who they are in Christ. Let me tell you, if you are a Christian, you bear the name of Jesus Christ. You go with the name of Jesus Christ with you. You carry that name everywhere you go and you represent that name everywhere you go. You represent the name of Jesus Christ. And even though you may have forgotten him and forgotten who you are in Christ, I want you to know today that if that's you, he hasn't forgotten you. He remembers who you are. I wonder if Joseph thought about it on the way. <laughs> he had a long time to think as he was going, and I wonder if he thought about his royal lineage. I think we don't think about who we are enough. And we need to remember we're a child of God.
What defines you is not your job. What defines you is not even your family. What defines you is your adoption. And that is that you have been adopted into the family of God as a child of the King and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. And if you are a joint heir with Jesus Christ today, and I want you to know you are not for God. The other thing he says is this. It says that uh, in verse 5, he, he went there to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. Not only has he not forgotten who you are, he has not forgotten the plans he has made for you. If anyone felt as if they were forgotten, it would have been them. And if anyone had felt as if God had forgotten his plans for them, it would have been this young couple. We don't think about what they really went through often enough. Mary, a teenager more than likely, pregnant in her hometown of Nazareth, scandal of the century, everybody around, uh, oh yeah, mom, I'm pregnant with the Holy Spirit. Uh-huh. Where's Joseph? Joseph talking to his father. Dad, it's okay. Mary's been true. An angel told me that she was pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Uh-huh. I thought we already went over how that works. And here they leave and they're on this journey. And think about the plans Mary had for her wedding day. Think about the plans Mary had for her future. Think about the little girl dreams that were shattered of what her marriage would be like, who her husband would be like, and what would happen with her future. Think about the times when she dreamed of perhaps being a mother one day and having her mother around and family around when the child was delivered and a rejoicing celebration at the birth of their firstborn son. Think about how she would have envisioned their son coming to birth. Shattered. Shattered so much so that in the story, if we read it correctly, we actually find out that they didn't just go to Bethlehem, have the baby, and, and go back to their hometown. What happened is they wound up staying in Bethlehem for some two years, which tells us that they didn't have anything to go back to. Nobody there to go back to. Nowhere to stay. God has not forgotten his plans for you. 
What Mary and Joseph would have seen as affliction, we see through eyes of affection. And oftentimes what you may see through the eyes of affliction, God sees as, a, as affection because what we know about God is that God has not forgotten his plans for you. God has not forgotten his plans for this church. God has not forgotten his plans for you. God has not forgotten his plans for your family. God has not forgotten you. What if, what if within the time of your greatest personal affliction lies the seed to the greatest plan God has ever had for you? That was the case with Mary and Joseph, was it not? In fact, the greatest solution to all of their problems was right in front of them in a manger. See, God has not forgotten who you are and God has not forgotten His plans for you. But I want you to look lastly here just at their poverty. It says, and she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. You know, no place to stay. Laying your child in a manger kind of sounds like something of affection to us today when we have our, as we do at home, the beautiful little scene that sits under the Christmas tree or wherever it might be. But folks, she laid Jesus in a feed trough. And it wasn't because she preferred it over a crib. She wrapped her child in strips of cloth to keep him as warm as she could. God has not forgotten you. God has not forgotten His plans for you. And God has not forgotten your need. When I think about need, I think about there's need all over the world. And this story that comes to mind sounds so trivial when I think about people around the world who are starving. But, but I think about it one day at Christmas time when our kids were little, I was pastoring my first church. And I was uh, working there full time, you know, many hours a week as we could. And we were about to starve to death. <laughs> we were not literally, but I'm telling you, it was tough times. And at Christmas, we didn't have anything one year. One year when the kids were really little, when they're so excited about Christmas when they're really little. And we didn't have anything for Christmas that year. But thank God for the Methodist. Somehow the Methodist had heard of our need. I don't know. And it was a Christmas Eve. Was it? 
On Christmas Eve, they dropped off at our doorstep the biggest Christmas that my children have ever had to this day. <laughs> and our doorstep was over, overwhelmingly full of presents for the kids. And it just reminds me that God has not forgotten your need. Mary would have had great need. Mary would have thought, I need a crib. But all she had was a manger. Mary would have thought, I need proper blankets and clothing. But all she had were strips of cloth. Joseph would have thought, I need a home with a fireplace and a hearth and a family around me to show me how to do this. But all they had was probably actually a cave. Joseph would have certainly thought, at least if I could only get in in the, in the end so that we could have our child under a proper roof. But isn't it interesting that a Savior born not in poverty would not have been the Savior at all. Because a Savior who could not understand our need, a Savior who could not relate to our poverty and our brokenness and our spiritual poverty is someone that would not have been able to save us. But the very thing that they needed was a Savior born in poverty when what they thought they needed was something totally, completely different. What if... What if, I'm just, I'm just asking, what if God has given you exactly what you need? In spite of the fact that you may think it is not what you want. God gave Mary and Joseph what the whole world needs. Even though it's certainly not what they would have wanted. Not what they would have planned. Not what they would have envisioned for the future. But he gave them what they needed. And isn't that really the message of the Christmas story is this? That it's when he became like us so that we might become like him. He hasn't forgotten you. He knows who you are, where you are, whose child you are. He knows of your need and your wants. And he hasn't forgotten your plans, his plans that he has made for your future. I promise you. Pray with me. Father, thank you for this time together and thank you, Lord, for your word. I just want to pray today for each family in here, each person in here, that we would remember this time of season, this year, that you are with us, that we are not forgotten. We are not pushed to decide, 
but rather that we are the apple of your eye. Remind us of this, Father. And help us to focus on you this year. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.